but we bet you'll like them. I'm back in the saddle again. Pop, pop, it's showtime. 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 Guess who's back again? Checking in from the right side of Acadiana, seeking truth. I want the truth! Yes! Justice. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. Yes! And a whole lot of freedom to have fun. Winning, winning, winning. Yes! Oh, behave. This is the Rush Report. Welcome back to the Ross Report. Got to tell you about our good, wonderful, fantastic friends at Acadiana Garage Doors. You know, Ty and his team, they're just the best at what they do, I tell you. And as Ty always says, you know, there's, there's, this is one of the best, most cost-effective ways to add to the value of your home. If you don't have a garage door now, adding a garage door is fantastic or, or upgrading let's say you want to upgrade to a, a more customized look because they have so many different types of garage doors that are sure one sure to fit your home's style and uh, so it, it's the easiest thing to do is just go onto their website and start browsing and you will see i mean it's just amazing and they have they have a, they even have a section there it says design your door so you Select the size and the number of garage doors on your home. You check the home image. Could be, you know, more modern, more traditional. You start designing the door. They'll help you do that. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And there are so many different styles. Just absolutely beautiful. From very contemporary to very traditional. All styles, all colors. You're just going to love it. So they have so many different options for you. You can get um, a residential brochure right there online. I mean, there's a section where you can just click for a residential brochure, and it comes up and it shows you all the beautiful, the Northwood collection, the commercial garage doors, uh, the Amar. It, it's simply amazing, mostly Amar garage doors. So check it out, AcadianaGarageDoors.com. Tell Ty and the crew we told you. And um, by the way, when it comes to commercial garage doors, you just can't do any better than Acadiana Garage Doors. And remember, commercial, different kind of animal that is. You know, it needs a certain kind of training, equipment, etc. So residential and commercial, very different. But one thing you know, Acadiana Garage Doors can do it all. And by the way, if you need to, like right now, your garage door, because of the cold weather, maybe it's kind of creaking, <laughs> et cetera. Well, you can do something about that. They have a special lubricant. You can't use just any lubricant on a garage door. But they have a special lubricant. And uh, they'll get it. You just go out there and, yeah, get pick up some special lubricant for your garage door. It's the way to extend the life of your garage door. And if there's something more. That you need other than just a lubricant? Well, they can do that too. They service and repair all garage doors. Check it out. AcadianaGarageDoors.com. Fantastic people. Wonderful people to do business with. All right. Now, we have that special crime session going on. And um, we're hoping, hoping, hoping to get our um, 
state senator, newly minted state senator, by the way, who did a great op-ed for the Cadiana Advocate called Embracing Constitutional Carry for a Safer Louisiana. In fact, there were a lot of uh, great op-eds, including The Future Begins Now with the Crime Session, and that was the title of the op-ed done by by Governor Landry. Um, He quoted Scott Peck, you know, the author of The Road Less Traveled, and he said, you know, Peck said problems don't go away, they have to be worked through, or they remain forever a barrier to the growth and development of the spirit. And that's true in personal issues. That's true in the state as well. And as the governor said, you know, I didn't get to watch his opening address, but as he said, we're at a crossroads. We've got a pandemic of crime, and it transcends generations, and he's absolutely right. And crime is a barrier for peace and prosperity, and it holds our state back. I'm going to propose something along that line crime being a barrier for peace and prosperity because remember here in here in Lafayette we have certain areas of this community that we consider uh, underserved depressed areas etc so I want to talk about some of the things that were done that I find are really not helping and how we might use those things to actually address the disinvestment the disinvestment in certain parts of our community. So I think we have, nope. Hmm. Okay, yeah. So um, we're going to try to get uh, Blake Migas. He's hearing those bills on constitutional carry right now. And uh, we'll try to get him on. But anyway, so the governor and his future begins now with the crime session. I think he's right on target with that because the homicide rate in Louisiana is stunning, especially in our three major cities, as Jeff and I were just talking about. Um, Yep. Okay. Well, they're still debating uh, debating some bad amendments to the uh, constitutional carry. Mm, we were worried about that. We might be able to get them on at 3.30. Well, they're still debating amendments. We'll talk about it. But anyway, so this crime session, I hope it's more successful than the closed primary session. Remember, the Crescent City, New Orleans, New Orleans, I mean, should be, it, it's, it used to be a place that we all used to love to go visit. But now, we're one of the most dangerous, New Orleans is one of the most dangerous cities in the country maybe in the world. The crime rate in New Orleans, as the governor pointed out in his op-ed, is 150% higher than the national average. In 2020, New Orleans saw over 200 murders, more than 1,000 robberies, and 3,200 assaults. Now, it's even higher. It's even higher. It's unbelievable how bad it has gotten. Violent crime in this state. And so I think the governor, having a background in law enforcement, right, knows just how important it is. We need a safe, safe state and safe communities. Now, the, the, the stunning statistic is, and why the, the a lot of the minority uh, legislators, in fact, 
we'll talk about one another op-ed that was written that nothing in the special session addresses the root causes of crime. I'm sick of hearing the root causes of crime, like at the border, the root causes of uh, the border invasion. The root causes are you're not doing your job. You're not focusing on the real things. That goes true with the what's happening at the border, and it has, goes true with what's happening in our inner cities. You're not addressing the true causes of the crime. Anyway, we do. Yeah, yes, education is important, but even more important is a f- basic family structure that helps all those other issues. Keeps the kids in schools, has strong father figure in the home, etc. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. That's so bourgeois. I don't want to hear it. But that's what worked for generations in this country. And that's what we've lost. And that's why we're having the problems we're having today. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hopefully in the next, oh, 15, 20 minutes or so, we should have our state representative, state senator. I'm State Senator now, Blake Miguez, talking about constitutional carry. We'll be right back on the Ross Report. Don't go away. debating that constitutional carry they've got bad amendments according to senator miguez so we're waiting okay so the the op-eds all over the place um in the advocate uh for this special session and 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 of course the governor talking about the future begins with now and now and then you have the op-ed by uh royce duplessis another guest columnist talking about um how nothing in the special session addresses the root causes of crime. Because nobody wants to talk about the root causes of crime. Not really. I love it when they say the root causes, but and then they talk about actually things that are symbols of the root causes, but not the root causes themselves. There are manifestations of the root causes. You know, like he talks about expanding youth services and education. That's not the root cause. That's one of the solutions, but it's not the root cause. Blight and litter. Well, that's not the root cause either. I mean, you can you can do a lot doing away with blight and litter. Uh, improving street lighting. That's a that's a solution. That's not a root cause. So some of the root causes are, of course, the total destruction and breakdown of the family. How many times do I have to say this? What does that cause? What does the breakdown of the family cause? Well, it causes poverty. If you have a single, a single parent household who's working all the time, especially a single woman, it is very difficult, very difficult to keep those kids off the street while you're working a couple of jobs just to keep body and soul together, keep a roof over their head, keep food on the table. It's not an easy thing to do. Can it be done? Yes, it can. It requires a lot of sacrifice. It's very, very difficult. And it's very difficult of a single mom of young black men. Who are the victims of crime mostly? You, you see it in Lafayette. They're shooting each other. These kids, these young black men are shooting each other. 
What happened in Kansas City? It was a couple of young, well, it was more like four or five, shooting at each other, getting in an argument and shooting at each other. This is the way they solve problems. Why do they do that? Because they don't have, well, a strong family structure. They don't have a strong background in faith. They don't have a faith-based grounding. A lot of them don't. When you have that family structure and maybe a two-parent household that is making some money, then you can have housing. It may not be the best housing, but you can have a place. So there are some really basic root causes that they don't want to talk about because they're the ones that are the hardest to solve when you have to go into a community and say, it's the Michael Jackson solution. The man in the mirror, the person in the mirror, look and see. If you want to see the root causes, look in the mirror. We are the architects of our own, of our own issues, our own problems, our own demise. We participate in some way or another. And, and the sooner that the inner city communities accept that, look, you know, tell me about education. Tell me about education. <clears throat> tell me about how we haven't spent enough money on education. Are you kidding me? Uh, two words for you. Title One. Check out Title One. 30 years and about $118 billion later, have we closed the skill gap in reading, writing, mathematics? No. No. And that includes people from low income and others, but especially and most often African American or Hispanic who are attending Central City or, or even sometimes Rural school systems. The skill gap between African American or Hispanic and center city, central city urban school systems, and middle class children who are attending suburban school systems, there's a huge gap. And we keep throwing more money at it. $118 billion now. You know, there's some schools. In Baltimore, with a kid, not not one kid. Well, in fact, I think it may be the whole Baltimore school district, one of them, that none, not one kid can do math at grade level. Not one. My goodness, I mean, how many times? How many times have we looked at this? Have we looked at presidents who have come in? Presidents have come in. Ah, uh, let's see. Uh, Bill Clinton had one. He had his own little program. What was the name of that program? I can't remember. I remember. Um, I remember Bush's. You know, no, no child left behind. That one. Uh, but I can't remember what Clinton. Clinton had one. Bush had one. Bush. It was no child left behind. Then we had Obama. Obama had every student succeeds, you know, ESSA. Oh, I can't remember the one under Clinton, but they all had them. They all had them and they all threw billions at the issue. And all through that, all through the Clinton, the Bush and the Obama years, the Department of Education moved to all kinds of requirements for testing. They were, what, what was this, the phrase? Teaching to the test to try to get the achievement scores up, teaching to the test. And it hasn't worked. The skill gap is still there. And it's a frustrating thing. 
a frustrating thing. The ineffectiveness of Title I occurs for the same reasons. This is Manhattan Institute did a deep, deep study in this because they always cite education, the lack of education, lack of opportunities in the inner cities as the reason for the crime, the root causes of crime. The effectiveness of Title I, the ineffectiveness occurs for many of the same reasons that cause the more general ineffectiveness of low-income schools and districts. Creates a separate bureaucracy within a larger central district bureaucracy. And sometimes they don't have the same focus on getting kids to read at grade level. Federal regulations expanded the, co- the scope for Title I from grades 1 to 3, where it's still possible to successfully get low performers to, to perform at grade to include grades 4 through 12. So that result, what does that mean? Only about a third of the Title I participants are now in the critical early grades. If you can't teach a kid to read by the third grade, that kid is going to have problems. You've heard that over and over and over again. And by the way, our new superintendent, when I heard him say this in an interview, those of you who've listened to this program for a while, you know how I feel about phonics. The low-income schools that have solved the problem, according to the report by the Manhattan Institute, the low-income schools that have solved the problem of children entering the first grade, not at reading level, typically have a strong phonics-based instructional program operating in kindergarten. And it's taken, as they would point out, more than 20 years for the tide to turn on that unfortunate era of American miseducation. We are back to phonics. And it's working. Phonics-based instruction. Remember that program, Hooked on Phonics? How many thousands, millions of parents all across the country got that Hooked on Phonics program for their kids, and their kids learned how to read. The kids learned how to read because if you can't read, you're not doing anything else in school. You're really not. You got to be able to read to understand mathematical concepts too. So, uh, now we're back to phonics based instruction in the early grades. But what does that mean? Well, that means that for decades, The federal government was subsidizing a failed strategy for reading instruction through Title I. All that money thrown away, 30 years and $118 billion, and they finally came back to the basics, phonics. (laughs) Same thing will be true with this crime and everything else. We've got to get back to the basics. And what is that? Having a strong moral foundation. You don't want to call it religion? Don't call it religion, but we have to have a strong moral foundation and a strong family foundation. You have those two things. You have a shot at this life. You have a shot at success in this life. And no papering over of any crime bill is going to solve that. The sooner we recognize that, the better. But you know, the people who've written papers about this, you know, I I quote that one, the bourgeois 50s, you know, when parents stayed together, even if they didn't like each other, they stayed together for the kids and provided a solid background. Well, you know, we don't want that. There's there's old bourgeois values. They, professors who wrote about that, if they hadn't had tenure, it was the woman out at University of Pennsylvania. They tried to get her thrown out. She was a law professor. I think her name was Amy Wax. She had a co-confrere, uh, a, a co-sponsor, a co-writer 
out in Stanford, and they both came to the same conclusion. The bourgeois values of the 50s were good for people, were good for kids. We've lost that, and we've got to get back to it, just the way we're getting back to phonics in education. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Looks like uh, the interview with uh, Senator Miguez is going to have to be tomorrow. They're still debating, and he said there's some bad amendments, and he certainly doesn't want to leave the floor. <laughs> He's going to have to, you know, people are always trying to put a bad amendment on a bill. So it's a constitutional carry, and hopefully tomorrow we'll be able to, uh, you know, do the subject justice. We don't want to cut it short, and uh, we would have to do that. I mean, we even if we could get get him on today you know we couldn't give him more than 10 15 minutes anyway renee hey renee how you doing yeah i'm uh, i want to like uh, sidetrack a little bit but touching on the uh gun amendment thing it's uh usually it's uh in the history of the world it's a totalitarian uh, communist countermeasure of controlling the population and uh, that's one of my comments you know uh we're about to have maybe a regime change uh I want to mention, looking at the History Channel, it might be a touchy subject. After World War II, the people responsible for uh, collaborating with the Germans had to had to pay. When they found out the evidence, they uh, they made them pay. You know, like they should. It's a justice system we have. A lot of you know different countries. Uh, one another thing, a part of. The rise of the Third Reich is attributed to the fear and the agitation of communism. You know, Russia, Bavaria was a satellite of Russia for like a, a little while to the radicals took over and, and pushed against the communism. But I want to say that, uh, you know, it was the Cold War. People have a sense of security and peace and happiness that not a single bullet was pulled, which is... Uh, deceitful because the Korean War is part and parcel of the Cold War. Mm -hmm. The Vietnam War is part and parcel of the Cold War. Grenada is part and parcel of the Cold War. And you may or may dispute, some people may dispute this, everything from Antifa riots to all the people getting killed to the agitation in universities. I could leave it pacifist for race, but when it comes to other things like economy and green energy, it's all part and parcel of what the Soviets did to do the Cold War. And the Chinese, to my opinion, going to take over the mantle and man these uh, assets because they are assets because they, they're detrimental to our country and other countries in the world. But I want to say that with regime change, if some of these people, like Donald Trump, leaves a, a mark of what he said on Twitter, if all these other super elites, uh, these uh, Frederick Engels wannabe or, or, or Che Guevara wannabes, if they have a trace that they do want to destabilize, there are already laws there. They stabilize our government 
Will they pay as commun- communist collaborators and be jailed? Like, this is, the, the law is already there. Like, they still rightfully need to be locked up? Hmm. I don't, I'm not sure who you're saying should be locked up, Renee. Well, I, I, I don't know. There's, there's university people that there's, like, people, like... Oh, well, uh, uh, if you're saying that the, the, the communists and the totalitarians and the, you know, and the Marxists and all, and if there's a, if they come in and take over, usually they go after the people who can shape public opinion. That would be, um, the media, the university professors, you know, uh, anybody who fights back against, against the regime. I, I, I want to say that people like, Bernie Sanders, Don Wright says, said that we need to have a revolution like Nicaragua or something. I don't know what the hell. Uh, <laughs> and they're doing so yeah, I mean, well in Don Nicaragua. He Don Wright said that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if he did anything to help that besides teach that in class. Other people tweet that. There are people that actually have said that they want a revolution. They actually had that uh, enclave without the police, you know. And they had uh, the riots, Antifa riots. They, I mean, they, yeah. they, they claim to be Marxists. I mean, do they have the Marxist intent to actually overthrow our government? Oh, do they have tweets well. saying that's what they want to do? I'm just noticing. Well, you know, they, they don't want to overthrow the government. It's working really well for them right now because they're mil- – look at, look at uh, Bernie. He's a millionaire Marxist. He's got several homes and he's got lots of money and he's probably invested in the stock market. And he likes to talk a good game, but he's, uh, he's one of those – he's a big damn phony. You know, he's making a lot of money. He's making a lot of money. He's doing very well. He's got a really nice sports car, too. Yeah, there you go. He's got a really nice sports yeah. car. So, you know, when I, I you're a millionaire... like me. They like Dollar General, Family Dollar, and Walmart. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I really revolt at those things. When those, 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 how you call it, institutions will not operate. I really would be upset. Anyhow, they're buying stuff from China. They need to buy more stuff from Mexico that actually lasts. Well, yeah. They, we need to make more stuff here. Renee, we need to make more stuff here. Thank you for the call, my friend. Yes, there's a lot of injustice out there. No question about it. All right, we're uh, we're coming up to another break, I guess. I, there's something I want to get to because, you know, they're fighting it out in Baton Rouge right now on constitutional carry. We're going to get a, a first-person account from uh senator blake miguez hopefully tomorrow he's he's fighting it out <laughs> we, we knew we knew it was going to be kind of tricky whether we could get him on today to talk about uh his bill and uh you know it it passed before actually but john bell edwards of course uh yeah <laughs> vetoed it so we're pretty sure that it's it's gonna pass this time but you know I, I tell you, with this legislature, I don't think all, I think all bets are off. After what happened in the um, close primary session, I I just don't have uh, I don't have the same confidence that I might have had uh, before that, right? Um, so we'll see. And and Blake Miguez makes a great ar- uh, argument for this. Um, we'll hope to have him on. Tomorrow, And the case, as he says, for constitutional carry in our state is very clear. So I did some research, as I like to do, you know, I like to do that. So I went to a couple of websites, and I'm going to share with you why gun control doesn't work. I mean, aside from the usual bromide, 
If you put controls on the guns, only the criminals will have guns because criminals don't follow the law. That is absolutely true, but there's a lot more to it than that, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. Don't go away. To the Ross Report, you know what, you can, you know, a stunning room starts with stunning floors. You know that, don't you? And you can get the best, the best flooring for your home. Absolutely amazing at United Tile on e Landry Road. They've been there for almost 60 years. They're absolutely the best. They offer comprehensive flooring services. So if you're looking for the most reliable, and they'll take it, you know, from very from the beginning to end they'll take it with the advice you go by i mean you could go online and actually research a lot of the stuff but their their favorite saying is walk on our floors to choose yours because there's absolutely nothing better than that mosaic of all the tile and the wood and the you know ceramics and the marble everything you can imagine uh for your home terrazzo floors i mean you'll see it all right there you, can, you have to look no farther than United Tile of Lafayette. Flooring services that will make your home, your business, whatever you want to remodel, it will make it into a work of art. Craig Morell and his team, well, they're the best at what they do. The design uh, folks, you know, Robin and Austin, I mean, they're, they have years of experience. They'll provide free estimates. They're locally owned and operated. I mean, you couldn't do any better. And they have the most experienced estimators. So you'll get a really good idea of what your project is going to cost. And it'll take it from right there all the way through to the end. And they'll get you some of the best installers ever. So you just can't do any better. United Tile Lafayette, they are the absolute best when it comes to updating your home. Now, we, we were talking about, of course, constitutional carry. We were talking about constitutional carry, and, we, you know, unfortunately, we're not able to get Blake Miguez on today because he's arguing the the um, the bill right now. And he said there were some bad amendments being put on. So he had to hang there and we didn't want to give him short shrift. We wanted him to have all the time he needed to really explain why the bill is so important. It's so crucial. And so then we started I started thinking, OK, you know, I'm gonna, you think about all of the arguments that people have about, you know, we need gun control and it's the only thing that'll work. And now, and we've tried it, haven't we? Haven't we put limitations? I mean, the Second Amendment guarantees law-abiding Americans the right to keep and bear arms. But, you know, in a lot of states and a lot of localities, gun control laws have placed limits on that freedom. And, you know, everybody, they're always pushing for these limitations on our freedom in every way, shape, or form. Even 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 at the cost of infringing on our fundamental right to keep and bear arms. But unfortunately, more often than not, typical government program, it doesn't work the way they tell you it's going to work. So when they talk about gun control, 
you can research this online. It's all over the place. Gun control is like this. It's this overall term that refers to all kinds of laws, ordinances, etc. All kind of things that restrict how law-abiding citizens can buy, own, or use firearms. And they vary at the state, federal, and local level. So that means that while the Second Amendment protects your right to keep and bear arms, there may be different restrictions placed on that right, depending on where you live. We know that. There aren't, there aren't too many restrictions here in Louisiana, but there are some. And gun control at the local level varies widely. Look at what they've tried to do. In Chicago, uh, they made it unlawful to own most semi-automatic firearms. You remember in the, um, what was the legislature? It, it went to the Supreme Court, McDonald v. Uh, City of Chicago. Poor Mr. McDonald couldn't even sit on his front porch with his gun. He had been robbed. He had been attacked. And so he took it to the Supreme Court, and he won on that one. They still put restrictions on it. And federal gun control legislation, like the Gun Control Act of 1968 and the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act in 1993, just made it more difficult to obtain a firearm. And those laws have been in place for decades. And by now, we should all look at the truth and realize gun control doesn't work. Because... The most basic reason being criminals don't obey gun control laws, never have, never will. By definition, that's why they call them criminals. They don't obey the law. So, you know, it's... They can... They can put in... I mean, they can put in all kind of laws, but criminals aren't going to obey them. So it's kind of pointless that only will affect people who, yeah, the law-abiding citizens. That's what the that's who the law affects. The people who abide by the law are the people who are affected by the law, not the criminals. By the way, background checks are a joke. Background checks are a joke. Because criminals overwhelmingly obtain their firearms through illegal channels. They'll never be deterred by any kind of state and federal laws that require background checks. They virtually have no impact on criminals. In uh, 2016, Obama uh, <laughs> did a study. It was, it was done by the uh, Bureau of Justice Statistics. And it examined how prison inmates obtained the firearms they used during crimes wasn't surprising. It wasn't something that anybody didn't know already. Only about 10% had, had obtained their firearms through a retail source. That means over 90%, 90% of the guns that were obtained were done by illegal means or other means, like underground sales. You know, there are people doing that all over the place. They can be um, maybe borrowed from a family member, maybe traded or rented from friends or family. I've never heard of renting from a friend or family. I'd heard of trading or or borrowing, you know, trading with a friend uh, as a gift. Could have been gotten as a gift or purchased, you know, in other words, purchased by another individual for the criminal. Uh, most, a lot of them, theft, theft, taken from their victims, taken from the scene of a crime, whatever, theft. So <laughs> they 
they get these firearms through illegal means, they're not going to submit to a background check. Huh? Nobody's going to do that. So only the law-abiding citizens abide by the law and are affected by the laws. So even if criminals did submit to background checks, they're not effective at stopping those who intend to use guns to commit crimes. Right? A person with no criminal history walks into a gun store to buy a gun that they'll use to commit a crime. Background check won't stop them. Won't prevent them from... Won't stop them from getting the gun. It won't prevent them from using it in the commission of a crime. If they have no criminal history yet. How about those drug addicts? I mean, how many times have you heard law enforcement people say that drugs are are at the root of a lot of crime. People trying to get drugs. It's at the root of a lot of criminal activity. Drug addict lies about their addiction, right? The individual is committing a federal crime. And even if they lie about their addiction, they're not supposed to be able to get a gun, but or if they have a serious mental health issue, but no history of treatment or institutionalization. How many times have we seen that happen? Oh, but he didn't have a history, so he got the gun, or or he stole it from his mom. Yeah, that happened with Lanza, right? So background checks have no impact on violent crime. Let's take a look at California. This was a study that was done in 2018. That release uh, that was released that examined the effect of comprehensive background checks on that state. The study examined nearly two decades of data and found that background checks had no, none, no effect on homicide rates in California. Again and again, the background checks proved to be ineffective. They just make the gun buying process a little more difficult, sometimes a lot more difficult for law abiding citizens. Now, here's Here's the crux of the issue. Allowing law-abiding citizens to more easily access firearms helps reduce violent crime. Making firearms more accessible. Making firearms more accessible actually helps to decrease violent crime overall. So here's something to think about. Over the past three decades, violent crime rates have dropped by more than half. The number of privately owned firearms in the United States doubled in that same period. Number of people carrying a firearm for protection outside the home has risen to all-time high while violent crime has dropped. And cities with the strictest gun control have the highest crime rates. Chicago, New York, yes. Now, here's another reason why we want to do everything we can to support law enforcement and support the governor's crime session, the bills in the crime session, because we need police. We need police. And here in Lafayette, we have an amazing, amazing award to be proud of. Five Lafayette officers have received the prestigious Top Cop Award and will be honored in May in Washington, D.C. This was a result of the actions to save lives, that domestic dispute. And you remember that Haley, um, what was her name? Haley Bradford. She is still suffering the repercussions, reper, repercussions from that. Adam Bradford was there, her husband. 
Maverick Morvan, Adam Bradford, Haley Bradford, Reynard Ford, and Alan Cortez have all received the National Association of Police Organization Top Cop Awards. First time ever in Louisiana. First time ever. They saved lives. Two of them were shot while saving innocent lives. This award is given only given for 10 incidents across the country each year. And this is the first time a Louisiana police officer has won this award. All five of these officers have won this award. Now, I have a couple of ideas that I'd like to share with you tomorrow. You know those special taxing districts and how it relates to how they want to change how we spend the money from the two sales taxes. Remember, they wanted to buy, uh, they wanted to lease software and automobiles, and they wanted to change the parameters how that they use the money, which was dedicated. Those two sales taxes dedicated for infrastructure, roads, drainage, etc. They wanted to change that. They wanted to use it more for other things. And we have special taxing districts that we never got to vote on. So I'm going to relate these two tomorrow and make a suggestion to our city council and mayor president that may have more of an effect on economic development in depressed areas and violent crime. Hey, we'll be back tomorrow. Don't go away. Come back. 22 hours. Go Cajuns. Bye-bye.